Welcome to the podcast with a purpose with information and content meant to motivate, aspire and inspire you from romance author and host Chamira E. Fleming, but you can call her my welcome to an experience. This is the Purple Charm Experience. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Purple Charm Experience, where I am your host, Chamara E. Fleming, but you can call me Mai. Guys, we are in 2024. Can you believe it? It's another year. Another year. 2023 is gone, and now a new year is upon us. I had no clue, you know, last year when I started season four that after starting a season, I would literally take a hiatus because I started my doctoral program at Hood College in Frederick, Maryland. Shout out to them. And life started having its way. It started life and life started life and and. I needed to take some time away to focus on long-term goals and what was important at that moment. And so I say all that to say we're here in 2024. I am ready to kick off um, this episode, continuing season four, so bear with me. Um, And we're going to try to get through this this. This semester and this season, you know, on a high note, but I'm excited because it is a new year and it's time to reflect. It's time to set new goals for the year and just get re-energized and recharged. So with that being said, you all know how I love to start the episode off with a motivational quote, something to motivate, aspire, and inspire us all each and every day to move forward with purpose and intention. And so with that being said, this week's my quote of the day comes from the legendary basketball player, Mr. Bill Russell. We actually lost him recently. And so um, it's quite interesting how I came upon this particular quote. Um, Many of you know that, you know, I'm in the process of working on my next project, which I'll talk about in the coming season. But um, I actually had a thought about one of my professors when I was an undergrad. And his name was Dr. Charlie Ward. He was an amazing Irishman. And a true Irishman at that. And um, I had a thought about him over the holiday season. And I had started taking some notes, mental notes about some of the things that I wanted to include into my next project. And he is one of those, the essence of who he was as an individual, as a person, is something that I wanted to include in my next project. And so I was just thinking out loud and talking to myself in the bathroom into my memo voice memo about what I wanted what I wanted to do and after that I was getting dressed and I turned on the TV and Sports Center was on 
and there was a documentary about Charlie Ward, the basketball player. I had no clue that this man ever existed, but it was almost like confirmation that my former professor had heard what I was saying, that he's still watching over me from the other side. And he gave me a nod from the other side saying, yes, uh, this is twice as nice, which was the name of the documentary. And so I, I was watching this documentary about Charlie Ward and how amazing he was as an athlete. Um, you know, played two sports and he just did these incredible things as a as an individual, as a man. And I, uh, I'll, I'll probably use some quotes from him in the future, but. In doing so, I was looking for a quote for today, and a picture of Bill Russell popped up on his Twitter page um, shortly after uh, Mr. Russell passed away. And the quote was, Commitment separates those who live their dreams, live live their dreams from those who live their lives regretting the opportunities they have squandered. And I I focus on that because, you know, I never want to live my life um, regretting any of the opportunities that I have in this life to pursue my dreams. And therefore, that's why I used, you know, whenever I'm posting on social media or if you read anything from me, you are seeing that I'm actively engaged in pursuing my dreams Um, because I never want to squander this opportunity, this life that I have. Um, There's also a second quote that I found that resonated with me as well that I wanted to speak about too. And it stated, I don't have very many regrets, not because I lived a perfect life, but because life is a bunch of rolling hills, not mountains or speed bumps, instead of stop signs. And so you can come to a situation and it's neither good or bad. It is. And what it means to you is what's your take on it. But the second part of the equation is what are you going to do about it? A lot of times I'm completely wrong. But all you do is back up and start over. That's from the late, great Bill Russell. He's right. In life, we have to back up and start over, you know, so that if things are going in a certain way that we don't anticipate for it to go, yeah, just reassess what's going on, pivot, you know. As long as you got a plan and you know where you want to go, you can always start over. As long as you don't go too far, whereas a situation where you can or can't recover, you should be able to start over. And so I just, I leave you with the the thought of, you know, we're coming into a new year, rediscovery, reaffirming what is important. Like I said, I started season four last year like I normally do, and I had to put it down for a second. I'm coming back to it six months later, basically. And what's it, at least it's what it feels like. And 
I'm backing up and I'm starting over. I'm backing up and I'm starting over. And so just remember, it is never too late to pursue your dreams. It is never too late to pick up where you left off. Just remember, you can always start over. Don't squander your opportunities. You know, don't forget that whatever it is that you are interested in, that you love, it's always going to be there for you. Just remember to back up and start over. All right, everyone. Now that we have our quote of the day out of the way and we know what we're pursuing, what we're moving forward toward, that we're backing up and starting over. Now let's get our sips ready for the week, you know. Um, This week, I'm not providing an alcoholic beverage or, you know, like I normally do. I will wait a little bit later into the season to to get into our, our, our spirits our wine and spirit sips. Um, But this week, I want to kick it off, since it's a new year, uh, with something that's fresh and minty and menthol-y for us to, you know, jump off into the season with. And what better way to do that than with peppermint tea? Now, I chose this because peppermint tea has some really great benefits. Um, it is a healthy tea. It doesn't have caffeine in it. And so you can sip it anytime. You can steep it and it doesn't become bitter. So, you know, it doesn't, you know, you can, you know, you can steep it for as long as you need to. And you don't have to worry about that bitter taste that sometimes you can get from other teas. Um, but I love this tea because it has antioxidants and it also helps with menstrual cramps, ladies, and digestive issues, headaches, and it relieves congestion. And particularly, it's important, you know, if you are interested in drinking or sipping on this tea during this time of the year, because, hello, we're in cold and flu season, and so it doesn't hesitate to have a little sip that is also beneficial in terms of um, warding off any sickness or if you are sick, Um, helping with relieving any congestion or uh, what have you that you may be dealing with um, right now during a cold and flu season. So I hope that, you know, as we go through the winter months and, you know, kicking off this this week, that if you're looking for something to sip on that's nice and healthy, that um, that you can sip while you're listening to this podcast, pick up a pick up a cup of peppermint tea or a peppermint latte and uh, sip along with us as we go through this episode. Now, I am so glad you guys are with me. We are at one of my favorite parts of the podcast, which is the Ask the Author discussion portion. And this week, I want to talk about the writing process unveiled from inspiration to publication. Now, during this particular part of the episode, we're going to explore 
the entire journey of writing from the initial spark of inspiration to the final steps of publication, maybe, you know, at a high level from my perspective. And I tell you some of my unique, you know, writing processes, my unique writing process, including how I overcome challenges, find inspiration and navigate editing, you know, and the publication stage. Now, so right now, I'm in the process of working on two new books. My goal is to finish them by the end of 2024. That is my goal. You know, I know it's a, you know, a pretty ambitious goal, particularly with the fact that I'm in school. I have a family. I'm working full time. Um, there's a lot of things that can, you know, get in the way of me actually accomplishing this goal, but I'm going to try. I am going to try. And it is all with the thought of trying to round out the Purple Charm series. I don't know what will be the last book, but I know that I want it there. I want there to be a Purple Charm universe. And so one of the pieces that I'm working on, project pieces that I'm working on, is a period piece, and the other is an erotica. The inspiration for these stories were triggered by book four, and that book is Love Dazzles and Sapphire. Love Dazzles and Sapphire is probably one of my favorites to write. All of my books are favorites to write, to be quite honest, but... This one was important to me because I took it back to the 1970s after the Vietnam War or as the Vietnam War was ending. And I wanted to focus on a young black male coming back from the war, finding love again, being inspired or supported by family. And some of the challenges that he faced as a young man, finding the love in his life. And and in addition to that, really looking at the lens of of romance through the young woman that he was also engaging with and her name is Sapphire and so um as a result of writing that story I realized you know there were other stories that I wanted to tell and this period piece that I'm currently working on I had an idea for this long long before Love Dazzles came along, but I have recently figured out the the way in which I'm going to connect these stories, which is interesting. A lot of times I'll come up with inspiration for them or the motivation for writing them and don't know how they're going to connect with each other until the stories are written. So once book four was written, I realized how I was going to connect this period piece to this story as well as the erotica to this story and so there's two different completely different extremes in terms of the genres of romance and the subgenres of the genre of romance and the subgenres of romance that are, are, are that will emerge through these stories and so you know, typically my writing process begins with research in terms of like, who are these characters? Where are they living? Where do they come from? You know, what about the time period? In terms of the period piece, I have to study the time period. I got to 
understand the places where they're living. I got to, you know, figure out how they're going to speak to one another, what kind of educational background they're going to have. This is important because um, particularly with this one is going further back than the 1970s where I started before. And so I'm going further back in time. And so I really have to be careful and mindful and intentional about how I tell this story. In terms of erotica, even though it's going to be in present day, I still have to be genuinely connected and aligned and in tune with present day occurrences. And so it requires for me to be an open vessel for ideas and creativity to come through for these stories as I develop the characters and write their worlds. And in the past, as I written my books, I found inspiration in a number of different sources. And those things keeps me going and on track. But I always start with an initial inspiration, with the initial inspiration that motivated me to write the story in the first place so that I can carry the story, you know, as I go through the process of writing. Also, as I go through the process of writing, it's important for me to remain focused. When I get near the end, um, you know, usually that's when I bring in my editor. Um, You know, I have to get on her schedule. But shout out to my editor um, because she keeps me grounded. Her name is Joyce Mokery. And the editing process... um, is important because that's where where I may have been not you know uh, where I may have just been focused on the story itself writing the story itself not really cleaning up this is where you refine and it I try to make sure that I am mindful as I'm writing so I don't have a lot of mistakes but we usually go through um I try to make sure that my draft is relatively clean so that she doesn't have much to do. You know, that's another thing. If you're a writer, <laughs> it can become very costly um, for the number of words that they have to clean up. I mean, that they're, they're editing. And then the number of times they have to go back and forth in terms of the cleanup. So for me, I you know, a lot of people say don't worry about it and, you know, going through and editing, self-editing as you're writing is just focus on the story. I'm not that way because I'm such a, not OCD, but like just compulsive about making sure that I'm speaking properly, writing properly to grammatic, you know, grammatically not having a lot of errors as I write. I'm constantly editing as I go anyway. So I try to make sure my draft is clean when I, for the most part, when it gets over to her. And so we usually go through maybe one or two rounds of edits and then we're done. And that's pretty quick because, you know, some people it takes a long time to go through the editing process, but not me. And then, um, the formatting, the book is off the formatting. I don't do my own formatting, even though I could. I don't because there are certain things as a as an author. Once you get to the point where 
you need to focus on a story. There are certain things you need to hand off to other people. Editing is one of those things that you need to hand off to someone else. In my opinion, formatting too. I'm lucky that I have two important and vital and amazing uh, companies that handle my editing and my formatting for me. And I just recommend that you do it because you can't do it all. I know sometimes we want to, but it really makes a difference when you have the appropriate people who are truly trained to do that professional editing and professional formatting so that you get the best quality work in, as well as your book covers too. We all want to do it all by ourselves. And I did for my first book and it showed um, not in a bad way, but it just, you know, it's a difference. I, I just leave it at that. It is a difference. So when you get the opportunity to make sure you truly budget for it and invest in the professionals that can handle your book cover, your editing, and your formatting for sure, at the very least. So I don't make the writing process difficult for myself because this is this is creative for me this is this is fun for me this is my passion so I don't ever want it to get to a point where it feels like a chore but once you get through the first one that first book and you create a process that you understand and you know it becomes a little bit easier each time you do it and I've been following the same formula since my first book and it works for me I'm not a you know New York Times bestseller yet, <laughs> you know, I'm working towards that one day, but I will say refine your process. The people that, that support you will love what you do. So my advice to anyone out there that's looking to self-publish or you trying to get your, just trying to write your stuff, find the process that works for you and stick to it, refine it and make it your own, make it work for you. That is your trademark. That is your process. And this is what makes your writer's journey yours. So make the most of it. And when you do, I salute you from over here, (laughs) you know, because you're on this journey, on your journey too. And, you know, We're all in this together, but we all have our unique ways of doing what we do and what we bring to the table. And so with that said, happy writing, happy writing. And I hope you get something from this. Peace. you all enjoy the Ask the Author segment. And for you authors um, that are up and coming, that are thinking about self-publishing, I hope that you find a little bit of inspiration in my journey um, and some of my lessons learned um, that you can take with you. Uh, I will always share my perspective and the things that I've learned along the way so that it can make it a little bit easier for someone that's coming behind me. So with that said, um, I want to share with you all a story that I've been touring around with. 
um, going as we go through the the rest of this this season, I want to be able to share with you some flash stories that I'm going to be coming up with. And so um, this particular story was inspired by a good friend of mine, a close friend of mine. She's like a sister to me. Her name is Ariane. And she's a huge fan of sci-fi books and movies. And she always tells me, Myra, I love what you're doing, girl. Um, And I wish I could just get into the romance. I I just can't, girl. Like, I like it, but... If you write something that's sci-fi, a sci-fi romance, let me know because I'll be all in that. And so I've been wanting to do something that would at least let her know that I appreciate her pushing me and challenging me to do something like that. And so without further delay, I want to share this little ditty that I created or wrote in honor of her. And I hope that if you're listening, Ariane, that it at least lets you know that I'm trying and that I appreciate you for even giving me the idea to even do something like this or even pushing me to uh, because you believe that I could write in this way. So I hope that you all enjoy Forbidden Celestial Hearts. It was the year 2254, and Nebulon 9 was similar to a planet that humans once called Earth. The sky was a mixture of turquoise, purple, and pink. It was beautiful with two moons. It was part of the Stellara Centuria galaxy. Sometimes life runs on autopilot here. And the same outcomes are expected day in and day out. Life at Quantum Pulse Labs was no different. Just before life on, on life on Earth became uninhabitable, humans began leaving in droves on sp- spaceships. But only the wealthy people, their families, and their servants were could afford to leave. It took them years to find this planet. The humans began to inhabit Nebulus 9 because it was a lot like Earth. It had oxygen and water at the very basic level. But they built the entire infrastructure with housing, city, cities, and, and a laboratory for maintaining life. The laboratory's daily operations were ran by AI beings controlled by these mostly controlled by these mostly aloof egomaniacal humans the humans controlled everything about us through their software even down to our emotions through their software even down to our emotions i never had feelings but something is now different nova Axion AIBN215, are you okay? Yes, I answered. What's, what's taking so long with the daily reports? Asked Nix. They will be available moment, momentarily. Okay, just make sure that that's soon, okay? He said as he touched 
my hand and smiled. Each AI being was paired with a human operator. My human happened to be male. His name was Nick's Astral. He was muscular and attractive. These are things that I never noticed before. But recently, something in me feels when he's around. Nova Etzion AI being 215. Is something wrong? You seem a bit off. Do you need me to check your software? No, I'm fine. But something is different about me. Uh, what is it? I think I have feelings for you. I don't know how to explain it. I've never felt this way about any of my human operators before. <laughs> That's impossible. AI beings are incapable of feeling, let alone developing them. Besides, it's forbidden for us to even have this discussion. I know, but it's true. After all this time, are you going to tell me that you don't feel anything for me? (laughs) I'm not supposed to feel anything for you. But... Look, Nix, I'll show you. I found it recently. There's a glitch in my software that's allowing me to feel. Wow. I mean, I never expected anything like this. If I'm honest about my own feelings, then yes, I feel something for you too. But as a human, that's not possible for me to for AI beings. It's not right. Now that we know that our hearts are glitching and catching feelings, where do we go from here? That is... Forbidden Celestial Hearts. I hope you enjoyed it. All right, all right, all right. We are down to the final part of the episode that I, you know, I just love this part. This is where I get to talk about my favorite musician, Prince and give you a little bit of Prince history. Um, this this particular um, Prince history or purple charm, I like to say, is um, quite interesting. You know, as I was preparing for this episode, I stumbled across an article um, by a magazine called Mojo. And this article was from 2014. And it's quite interesting that this particular article popped up at this moment in time because it literally spoke about it being released on January 1st, 2014. So the fact that um, it when this particular podcast episode will air, it will be January 3rd, 2014. 24, which is literally 
what, 10 years and two days from the time that that article was released. But I honestly don't think it was a coincidence, but more of a reminder of the importance of history and genuine authenticity. Um, It felt like his spirit was, you know, reminding me of the importance of these two things. And um, at the time that this article came out, Prince was performing with his all-girl band, Third Eye Girl, and was about to release the album Petrum and Letrum. And um, during the interview, he discusses a number of things, but one of the quotes that stuck with me was uh, when he stated the sense of history being lost. And he said, people are not understanding real musicians anymore. And he called it feed, a feedback loop. And he said that people needed to create their own universe at the time. He was he felt like he was passing on his knowledge to the younger musicians. In this case, it was the ladies of Third Eye Girl. And that was that he was working with because that's who he was working with at the time. And the quote that he said that also resonated with me was that if we're talking, it was almost like he was talking directly to me. I, I felt like he said, it's your duty as a writer to cover the real thing because us musicians pay attention to that, you know? And from this article, I'm reminded to cover the real thing and present myself as the real thing because I am and being true to my writing is of great importance. It's amazing that exactly 10 years after this article was released, there's still lessons that I'm finding in Prince's messages. guys i just want to say thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the purple charm experience i hope you enjoyed it but in the meantime in between time i hope that you will also take a moment to check out my website www.creativecalfrey.com where you can find more information about me my books my merchandise and more also while you're there, I hope you, you will sign up for my newsletter by subscribing. If you also want to receive exclusive content and merchandise that pertains to this podcast, please sign up for my Patreon page by becoming a member. And finally, if you really enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider sharing with your friends and family. I appreciate it and they deserve to get this great information too. So until we meet again, I'll see you next time. Bye.